Welcome to the Lost Gardens of Heligan podcast, Beauty in All Things. I'm Alistair Moore, Head of Gardens and Estate, and each month we'll be revealing the inner workings of Heligan in all its glory, from soil to seeds, bulbs to bees, past, present and future, all from right here in the Lost Gardens of Heligan on the Cornish coast. Hello and welcome to the Lost Gardens of Heligan podcast, Beauty in All Things. My name's Alistair Moore, I'm Head of Gardens and Estate, and today you'll be joining me as we explore our glorious annual wildflower field in Valentine's Field, and we'll be chatting with some of the sowers and the growers and the harvesters of all the beautiful bounty at Heligan, including these wildflowers and maybe even talking a little bit about how you can harvest seeds yourself right now it's reasonably early in the morning it's about half past seven it's got a almost autumnal feeling with mist drifting through the valley of the mevagissi stream as i look out across the wildflower field to the rooftops of mevagissi and to the sea beyond the field that I'm standing in this morning is Valentine's and it is one full of cornfield annual flowers. It's a sea of bronzy gold with little patches like clouds of white and speckles of blue. The gold is corn marigold, the white corn chamomile and the blue cornflower. And there when, when you look a little bit deeper into the lush, thick growth of these annual wildflowers. You can also pick out loads of little pink flowers and their corn cockle. As it's so early and a bit damp, there's a few pollinators out, but nothing like there will be in a few hours. You can see quite a few honeybees. I've seen a red-tailed bumblebee. Oh, there's another honeybee. A couple of hoverflies. But this is gorgeous. Aroma of chamomile. It really is a wonderful, wonderful sight, sound and smell. It's a key point for us at the moment with the Valentine's Field because we are looking to harvest. And while the corn marigold are probably ready to go, the corn chamomile have got a wee bit left in them before they'd be ready to collect the seed. It's also been a very changeable week or two following the very hot, dry weather. We've now had a succession of, of days of just high humidity, a little bit of drizzle, a little bit of mist, all of which keeps the day of harvest further away as it's a beautiful dry day we're after to collect the seed. And as I said, maybe we want to hang on a little bit longer to get more of the corn chamomile, but we'll see. But we'll be talking a lot about harvest, about the collection of both food and seed in this episode of the podcast. So I hope some of you um, listening to the podcast have maybe visited Valentine's on previous seasons when we've had our wonderful display of cornfield annuals but this year we've done something a bit different we're still absolutely focused on providing 
forage at scale for a range of our native pollinators as well as honeybees etc and we are of course going to be harvesting the seed and more about that later but things do not look quite the same into the field has been cut a hundred meter diameter symbol and the story behind this symbol is that we've teamed up with an artist and activist called Jamie Reed, who most people will know through his groundbreaking artwork for the band The Sex Pistols. And while punk rock may seem light years away from Heligan, Jamie is also profoundly connected with our relationship with the land with nature, with seasons. And um, Jamie's kind of identified himself with the symbol that he refers to as the over. So the O is for a big circle into which is put an A for anarchy and a V for victory. Now this symbol for Jamie is all about rebirth, about growth, regeneration, about healing, but it also refers to an ancient druidic concept of the eightfold year. This is a year of of festivals, including two solstices, two equinoxes, and four other important markers: Samhain, Imbolc, Beltane, and Lammas. And in each point, these are a conjunction of time and place in our celestial movement. And we have cut this over into our flowers, allowing us all the opportunity to walk the Eightfold Year and to reconnect ourselves with the seasonal rhythms that were part of our ancestors' understanding of the world. So I think, to me, it, it is representative of of all of our, our shared bonds, our, these ancient bonds with the earth. And that is something that is deeply meaningful to us all at Heligan. One of the joys of the project, it's also just brought lots of great folk together, people from Heligan, Jamie Reed, John Marchant Gallery, the National Wildflower Centre, the Sensory Trust, the Wildflower Collective, and the Order of bards, ovates and druids. But more than anything, the project is just a really wonderful way to get out into the wildflowers and appreciate the buzz of pollinators amidst the drifts of corn marigold, corn chamomile and cornflower. Tis all about the beauty, as always. So I'm now in the centre of the over with the rustling of drying wildflower seed in the background and I'm here with Mark who is our head of estate. Hello Mark. Hi. And um, Mark was really the the man who had the task to lay out the over um, which was no mean task bearing in mind that it has a diameter of a hundred meters across. Mark, do you want to tell us a little bit, if the trauma isn't still so so deep within you, a little bit about the process? Yeah, it, the, the, the size definitely definitely had an effect. I mean, when you're looking at the, the plans itself and you think, oh, 50 metres, that's, that's not too bad. But 
when you, you you get out on the ground to do it. And of course, it was it was cultivated ground as well, so um, that made it hard. So to try and mark it, anything out with a, a wheel mark or anything like that uh, it was was virtually impossible because you couldn't make a straight line. So it was it was mainly just baler twine and a post and me walking around in a big circle just trying to mark it in the ground. Yeah, it's quietly rocking. Side <laughs> yeah. to side. No, well, they can't go wrong with any, any job. But then, because uh, uh, our original plan was to to sew the outline of the over, wasn't it? Yeah, we we did manage to get once once the the the, the whole design was marked out and, and we knew where we were and, and we we did yeah sew the bed and the outer part to try and get some sort of different it was, it was all laid out as well with, with with different different cornfield annuals in there to try and distinguish between the different areas of the of the design itself but unfortunately it didn't yeah the sunflowers so the the outline was going to be in sunflowers and corn cockle um but the sunflowers didn't really no i think part of that was we only rolled after we seeded so it just pushed it in and they're big seeds the sunflower seeds so a lot of it was probably taken by uh, wood pigeon and, and god knows what else well there were there were there was quite a gathering of seagulls <laughs> yeah. in this field for, for some weeks afterwards um and maybe they were so fat they were struggling <laughs> to fly after all the sunflower but anyway the the rest of it came up beautifully, didn't it? The, there's a lot of corn marigold, the cornflower and the, the corn chamomile, but we didn't have a design. So what happened next? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we had to go back in as lightly as possible because, as Alistair said, that the, what came up is fantastic. It looks really beautiful uh, and with the different colours, but yes, it didn't distinguish the design. So we had to go back in as gently as possible, find the centre. Lucky enough, after I'd done all my, my marking out and, and seeding, I just put a rope pin in the, the actual centre. That was the only mark we had left after the field had been rolled as well. Get in the centre and then remark it out again. The same method, just to do the, the outer circle so Jacob could get in with his tractor and, and cut it cut out the design in, in the flowers which was a bit of a shame but as it looks now it's 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 come out really well it's fantastic oh, mark they were two of the best days of my life <laughs> what can i say <laughs> but no it, I, honestly it, it, it your all your hard work has really really paid off and so mark fingers crossed not too far off harvest time yeah a few more days it, Sun, good sunshine and, and, and we'll get the, the, the contractors in and they'll they'll combine it and, and we'll, we should get a, a reasonably good seed harvest quite a bit of corn marigold but there's a good mix of, of corn chamomile corn cockle and, and corn flour in there as well and, and a few bits and pieces of what's left over in the field absolutely I can see there's some nice yarrow as well which would be a delight um, and then we'll have to dry it all off and get it cleaned but then It'll be ready to be sown in folks' gardens and fields and anywhere they choose. Yeah, once we get it, obviously from the combine, yes, as Alistair said, we've got to, got to get it 
out in the greenhouses, lay it out, turn it over and, and get it nice and dry uh, and then get it sorted and then once it's done then we can start weighing it up and, and yeah, selling it to, to the visitors and the public. And Mark, what are the, you know, I, I don't want to leave you pacing this field, um, uh, concerned about the next stage, but we're not actually going to harvest the over, are we? We're going to leave that. So your your work, you've still got a bit of work to do. Yes, we, we, we did take the decision actually before the seeds came up that we were going to try and leave the over itself through, through all the seasons uh, as it is and, and, and get some... Uh, we've been taking pictures all the way through the process uh, and get some good pictures and maybe some finches, flocks of finches around and just to see how the, how the design goes through, through the year, really, to the winter uh, and then try and make a decision on, on what we do, whether we try and keep it permanently, maybe plant something else in there uh, and, and see if we can keep keep something for posterity really absolutely well thank you very much mark i shall <laughs> leave you to your pacing i'll come back when you're done <laughs> thank you thanks i am sitting on flora's green well not on the green i'm sitting on a bench in the shade of the wonderful cornish red rhododendrons looking across a sunlit patch of grass towards the productive gardens and I am sitting here with Dr Grace Twiston Davis say hello Grace hello very good well done and we're going to talk a little bit more about seed collection so Grace could you describe a little bit about yourself and what you do and in particular what you've been doing at Heligan this afternoon Okay, yeah. So I'm a scientist at the University of Exeter based um, on Penryn campus, which is in Cornwall. And um, I focus on pollinators, uh, mainly on bees and bumblebees, but also on their habitats and wildflowers. Um, And I'm also, so here, uh, my hat today that I've got on is my Wildflower Collective hat. So I'm a director of Wildflower Collective, which is a not-for-profit organisation that's all about creating more wildflower spaces for people and pollinators. Wonderful. So what have you been up to at Heligan this afternoon? So... I know that listeners can't see this, but my shoes give it away, actually. So stuck to, <laughs> so stuck to my shoes are a load of seeds. Um, so I'm doing a bit of, of accidental seed collecting today. But actually, I did come to collect some seed with Toby and Anna from the Heligan team. And we've been looking at uh, collecting red campion seed today and seeing where it is on the estate and having a little practice one, really, of how much seed we could collect in an hour. Very good. And uh, this is slightly with an ambition of us putting together maybe a little volunteer group to uh, nip round Heligan at various times, collecting wildflower seed for us to, to sow on the estate. So thinking about wildflower collecting, I mean, obviously, Grace, we don't want everyone dashing out all over the countryside collecting wildflower seed oh yeah exactly obviously we're, i mean we're collecting at heligan because we've got permission from the landowner so um we don't yeah we don't want uh, people kind of going up across the 
the countryside collecting wildflower seed. But what you can do in your own gardens is actually collect your own seed and kind of do seed savers. So, you know, let things go to seed in the first place because that's um, feeding some birds and that's a good environmental thing to do. But actually you can save your own seed and then try and sow them again next year as well. So it is a good thing to do at home, save a little bit of money and you're, you're making sure that you've got flowers in that, you know, have done well, you know, the previous year because they've got, got to seed this year. Exactly. And one of the reasons that we've worked together in the the past and will be in the future isn't just about seeds it's really about pollinators do you want to say a little bit about that grace yeah so um I'll, I'll go back to the wildflower. I'll go to the wildflower thing. So the, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to collect red campion is because it's re- reasonably easy to identify, which is good. But actually, it's really, really good for bumblebees, especially bumblebees that have got long tongues. And they're often the ones that are in a little bit more trouble conservation-wise. We want to make sure that we're doing something for them. So red campion is brilliant for that. And so, yeah, I've worked with Alistair previously on the basically building a, a case study and a business case for the work that Alistair has been doing here at Valentine's Meadow. And that sort of based around trying to create forage at scale for pollinators and grace it'd be interesting could you talk a little bit more about bumblebees in particular and why it's so important that we work towards their conservation yeah so bumblebees are really interesting for this for a variety of reasons so one of the reasons is that they actually travel quite a long distance to forage for food so even though they have a a colony like a nest in a particular place they could travel you know potentially miles to forage so actually we really need forage at scale because they're not gonna kind of just like turn back when they get to the edge of the Heligan estate boundary um you know they're gonna you know they're gonna carry on into its neighboring land as well so you know we're doing something here that is on scale but hopefully we'll encourage other people to do these things on scale as well um the other reason um bumblebees are really important as well is because they we can kind of think of them as the canary in the coal mine which is like if they're doing well that we know that most other nature and biodiversity is doing well but if they're not doing well then we know there's trouble and actually quite a lot of bumblebees i think a third are at risk of extinction so you know they're not doing very well and we know that you know other things aren't doing well as 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 well and also they're also fluffy and you know (laughs) yeah have you know very um charismatic creatures so they do really engage people as well in in conservation so they you know they do and of course they're important pollinators so there's four four reasons why they're brilliant brilliant. that's (laughs) a i'd say that's very good but i just want i'm particularly interested and i don't want to to seem rude in any way but one of the things i'm interested in about bumblebees are their their tongues and the length of their tongue. And I just wondered if you could explain a bit more about why that might be important. Yeah, so bumblebees have a tongue and their tongue is what they use to collect the nectar from the from flowers. So basically, if a bumblebee has a long tongue, it's sort of more evolved to feed from a flower that's got a long tube down to where the nectar is. So that's like fits it a lot better. But they're the ones that are struggling a little bit more because they rely quite a lot on legumes. So like things in the pea family so like vetches and clovers and stuff and there's not that many of those in the countryside anymore so they're the ones that are struggling and they're the ones that we're trying to do something for as well um but then there's the bumblebees with the shorter tongues they're they're doing a little bit better because they can feed on lots of the other kind of more open flowers but that's why the red campion is brilliant because it's got this long kind of um tube 
uh, down to where the nectar is, and that's why it's brilliant for long-term bumblebees. But, like I was telling um, Anna and Toby earlier, is that actually the short-tongued bumblebees will learn to nectar rob from the red campion. So they'll, like, nibble away at the, at the base where the nectar is and just, just take it out there, and they won't actually pollinate pollinate the flower or collect the nectar the way they should. So they're a little bit, a little bit cheeky in that way. The rascals. There's also the other thing that I always feel it's worth pointing out with the the long-tongued bumblebees is that though I adore honeybees too their tongues are rather shorter and so if we fixate on honeybees being the pollinators we neglect the fact that there's many 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 types of flower and uh, genus of plants that are unable to be pollinated by uh, honeybees alone but um, anyway So, Grace, lovely as always to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to catching up with Anna and Toby. Thank you very much indeed, and hopefully see you again soon. Thank you, Alistair. See you soon. Bye. So, I am now in the celebrated Heligan Seed Store, and I'm here with Anna and with Toby, and I will ask you both to say hello and introduce what you do at Heligan. Anna. Hello. My role is estate experience supervisor, which sounds very fancy, but basically just means that anything cool going on with the livestock or wildlife and estate here, it's my job to tell people about it, uh, which, yeah, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. Splendid. Toby. Hi. So, yeah, my name's Toby. I'm the wildlife coordinator here at Heligan. Uh, so it's mainly my role to all things wildlife, yeah, whether it comes to surveys or um, just looking out for wildlife. And again, like with Anna, we work quite close together and just, yeah, engaging with the public and our schools as well. Fantastic. And of course, listeners may have come across Toby previously in our wonderful uh, Dawn Chorus episode. But Toby, um, today you haven't got a bird in your hand. You've got something else. Could you describe what you've got in your hand, please? Yeah, so I've got some red campion seed in my hand here, which um, sort of looks similarly to that of just like pepper that you'd have at home. So we harvested these seeds just the other day, actually, just out on the Heligan Estate. Yeah, we went out with um, Grace, Twist and Davies, and we were just having a look at um, different wildflower seed collection techniques. Wonderful. And... Anna, what are our sort of ambitions in terms of our own Heligan collected seed? We'd really like to um, get together sort of a volunteer activity, collecting the seeds, um, kind of different points of the year when um, the variety of plants sort of are shedding their seeds, just to sort of help nature really give it a chance say if we have an area um that's been cleared a tree's come down or um it was very sort of brackeny and brashy and we sort of um opened it up a little bit to make space for nature um we can then sow these seeds and just yeah sort of speed the process along a little bit i think um grace was saying the red campion it might take sort of 10 years or so to kind of colonize an area but if we're there spreading it deliberately, then we can help it to get a hold and hopefully things like the bracken and brambles wouldn't just take over the area again. Wonderful. Well, that sounds like a brilliant project and very glad to have you on board. And we'll look forward to collecting not just some seed, but hopefully a few volunteers to come and give us a hand. Lovely to see you both and see you again soon. Cheerio. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>
Bye. Bye. So you find us, and I say us now because I am with Nicola, our head gardener. Say hello, Nicola. Hello. And we are in a slightly curious seed store, perhaps not the most traditional of of buildings. It's actually a, a shipping container, but it has been beautifully kitted out inside with various shelves and boxes and crates and we're the sort of, we've got a kind of theme going on this podcast about harvest and we talked about wildflower seed um, but there's all sorts of other harvests going on and Nicola do you want to say a little bit about what other seeds have been saved recently? Yes, sure. So for many years now, we've um, we've been saving seeds from the productive gardens and um, in particular uh, peas, beans, um, some of the uh, cutting flowers like a beautiful old um, wallflower variety that is no longer commercially available. So we've been saving seeds from them as well. Um, we also, talking of harvest, we use this space to um, store flowers so cut flowers that are cut that deliberately grown for drying so we cut those dry them well, in glass there houses. Are, if we mm. move over to i shall just do a little gentle rustling so nicola tell me a little bit about these beautiful multicolored that sort of pinks and burnished bronze and yellows and whites they're absolutely glorious what are we what was i rustling so these are the helichrysums, um, the everlasting straw flowers, and they are, like you say, they're very jewel-like in their colours, very rich colours. And again, something that we um, have have stored and dried for many years because we use them to make garlands for our Christmas trees. So again, on a sort of wet winter's day when it's a bit cold and grim outside, it's a really nice job to string these into lovely garlands. Um, and so, yeah, so bringing the sort of these lovely, rich autumnal colours, um, bringing them into the sort of dull dark winter days is really lovely well everlasting is the word yeah yeah and so turning over here there's these wonderful kilner jars full of everything there's some beautiful sort of dark brown and deep red drying chilies but what else have we got here this i'm pointing at a very curious kilner jar with some fairly unusual looking paperish seeds what are they yep so these were the wallflowers that we grew this year and we grow every year so we grow them in the gardens in the uh, cut flower beds so quite often if you're coming through the garden early uh, in the in the spring through the apple arch you'll see a big bed a beautiful scented sort of uh, again rich golden orangey brown wallflowers and this variety is uh, the giant forcing brown is very no longer commercially available at all so we always grow a separate patch elsewhere that we can leave for all you know all through the summer and put a little sign in letting people know we're saving it for seed and it's not just dead (laughs) and then again very 
laborious winter job um, to very painstakingly split out all of these little seeds. Um, but we do that every year. And what we'll do in the so that the seeds that we gather this year, we'll use next year to sow and we sow them outdoors, direct sow them in seed rows outside and then this time of year now they're growing nicely in their seed rows and come late summer early autumn we'll transplant them out into the beds to grow again so there's a, a continuous cycle but they're sort of very precious stock so we're looking now as we've had this beautiful dry weather we're constantly there checking that the seeds are and you don't all ripen at the same time so several harvests of the seeds necessary to get the whole crop in. It's a constant process, isn't it? No, well, wonderful. Well, thank you, Nicola. I think we'll um, pop outside and see what other sorts of harvests we can uh, lay our hands on today. Thanks, Nicola. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, it suddenly got a little bit warmer as I am standing in the timber-framed glass house in the old poultry yard, surrounded by wonderfully aromatic young basil plants and standing next to Duana, who is the supervisor of the kitchen garden. Hello, Duana. Hello, Alistair. And we are here just to have a quick chat about what Duana and her team have been harvesting for the kitchen over the past week or two. So, Duana, what has taken your fancy? All sorts. It's been a very busy couple of weeks. But I tell you what's done really well is our root bed is absolutely amazing. So the beetroots and turnips in particular have been brill. We've got a couple of really nice varieties. Uh, Cylindra, which is a nice, longer, really deep red beetroot. That's been lovely. Yeah, really good. And uh, Chiogia, of course, always very popular. They're getting up to some really good sizes as well, but not being woody, which is always nice, isn't it? When you still get a good beetroot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a few nice turnips as well, you know, kind of green top Milan, that sort of thing. Very nice. Um, that's really good because not only is it yummy for us in the kitchen and feast nights and some visitors, but um, I know the kitchen are working really hard on preserving and pickling things at the minute. And there's been some lovely chutneys and jams and stuff. So they're, they're, they're up for um, a couple of really big trays of beetroot this week. So hopefully Wonderful. very delicious things good happening. Good news for the winter. Mm. Um, what else? And then uh, chard has been brilliant. Chard being picked pretty much constantly now, which is excellent. And hopefully, you know, no reason why we can't keep those plants going through winter too. So something really to look forward to. The beans have been great. We've got runner beans and climbing green beans. So the runners, Scarlet Emperor, which has got nice red flowers, and Painted Lady, which is a nice two-tone flower, so a reddish and a white flower. Really good, looking really healthy, and um, as soon as they started setting and you know started yeah. producing, we've just been uh, there's just been someone picking beans all the time. <laughs> I spent it's one whole time. Sunday just yeah. picking beans. It's that time. Brilliant. So again, same again. I think Aaron made a uh, runner bean chutney that Ooh. I've heard is delicious. So I haven't had to try any yet, but um, oh, the I team are raving. Runner, runner bean chutney and cheddar sandwiches. Ooh, I know, I love it. So they, they're great. What else did I say? Of oh, green beans, we've had Blue Lake and Cosviolette. Blue Lake is a nice green one. Cosviolette's a nice purple. Again, brilliant, prolific, just can't stop them, which is amazing. What else? And then we... Uh, Ooh, rhubarb. Oh, 
Of love, course. Love, love a bit of rhubarb. We are, we've pretty much stopped the, the rhubarb yeah. now, especially with that heat wave, you know. Mm. It's not fair. They're still looking pretty healthy, but we'll just leave them alone now. Let them settle down. Courgettes? Again, overflowing <laughs> with courgettes. But you can't, you can't, you just can't stop them, can you? They are so good. And we're ridiculous and we go two days without picking them. They're absolute whoppers. So... Again, a really nice mix of lots of different colours and flavours and shapes even. So we've got yellow ball, that nice round yellow one, which is really lovely and really delicious. People tend to get a bit scared, yeah. don't know when Doesn't to pick it. Like a I know, yeah. but it do exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's still a courgette. Lovely. Uh, what else? Black Beauty's a nice one. Alfresco's a really lovely one. But it's nice to have that big mix of colours yeah. and shapes because it's just it looks and, great. And I would say one of the advantages for our lovely visitors when they come and there is a bit of a glut, they have an opportunity, do they not, Duana? They do, and you've got to be quick. That's what we've learned. <laughs> and where should they go? <laughs> In the melon yard under the lean-to. We've got a nice little wooden wheelbarrow there. And uh, there's uh, every day, really, through these last through the summer holidays, there's been um, at least a crate of some lovely goodie there for people to take. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really nice. Excellent. Well, thanks very much, Duana, and see you soon. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Alistair Moore, on today's episode of the Heligan podcast, Beauty in All Things. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. For more information, visit our website, heligan.com. And I look forward to to chatting with you again next time.